Welcome to the Possibility Podcast, hosted by the founders of Possibility, a nonprofit that provides positive opportunities of support for families affected by disability. A podcast for parents just like you, navigating life in the disability community as advocates, parents, and community leaders. And now here are your hosts, Wayne and Tina Cordova. Welcome to the Possibility Podcast, hosted by the founders of Possibility, a nonprofit that provides positive opportunities of support for families affected by disability. A podcast for parents just like you, navigating life in the disability community as advocates, parents, and community leaders. My name is Wayne Cordova. I'm co-founder and CEO of Possibility, and I'm here with Possibility co-founder and executive director, Tina Cordova. For today's episode, we wanted to share with you part two of our story, the origin story of Possibility and also the Cordova family and why we do what we do. If you want to support the podcast and also receive any past or future resources related to the show, simply go to www.donorbox.org slash possibility podcast and a donation of any dollar amount we would greatly appreciate. Since Possibility is a nonprofit, every dollar donated helps us accomplish our mission. Also, if you wouldn't mind, subscribe, review, and share our podcast with others. It helps the podcast get noticed so we can do all we can to provide positive opportunities of support to families affected by disability. For now, sit back and relax as we dive into part two of our origin story. Okay, so last time we left off, uh, we were telling our origin story, and it had to be a multi-part story. So we started off with one episode, kind of thinking, oh, we'll share the entire story of how we started Possibility and the entire story behind the Cordova family, and we didn't get very far after about 40-something minutes of... (laughs) We made it about two months of her life. That's right. So we got into our uh, telling the story of our daughter, Emily, who is... The why behind the what, you know, she's the reason why we do what we do. And I would definitely go back and check out part one because we're not going to recap that because we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> go back, check out part one of the origin story if you have not yet. And here we are, you know, we're in month two of her being alive. And mm-hmm. uh, we just dove into at the very end of that last episode talking about her first seizure and her diagnosis of epilepsy. And so let's kind of take it from there. Where was, if you could time travel back, like where was your mind at when we, when we got that? I remember you telling me, Hey, look at this. Yeah. Um, like my mind literally just did one of those like movie blasts backwards rewind. Um, so like back to that time. So I remember I was nursing at the time. So I remember when I was nursing her and she was, we had trouble with all of that lots of intervention. And then we also had to supplement. But anyway, so with that, I had just gotten done nursing her. And all of a sudden, she was kind of turning red and her body was twitching. And I just wasn't sure what was happening. I remember laying her down on our ottoman and just kind of watching her kind of puzzled. And then I remember, I think you had already gone back to work at that point. Um, So I called you and I was like, something's not right. I think I think Emily's having seizures. And you're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what's going on. I'm like, maybe it's like infantile spasms. I started Googling everything, of course. 
which is the worst thing that you can do as a new mom. (laughs) They kind of go down into a rabbit trail of all these things. But anyway, I started learning, okay, what does infantile spasms look like? Um, Started watching videos, all of that. And then I just, you know, started freaking out and I just kept watching her and it would just keep happening. And um, so I remember calling you and I'm like, I think we have to take her to the doctor. Like something's not right. Like this is just, it keeps going. It stops for a few minutes and then it will come back and go again. And I just remember kind of like, okay, you've got to come home now. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it was one of those things where, um, again, you brought up like the googling and you know, and I just kind of remember like my response is always like, oh, don't Google, don't go down that rabbit hole because you know who knows? It's like you know what you know. You start searching symptoms and you're gonna find what you're looking for. But this this is one of those things where I remember specifically the moment where you, you like said to me, "Look, it's happening," you know, mm-hmm. and I just kind of remember watching our daughter and going. What am I looking at here? You know what I mean? Like what? Like this was a, it was a first for me. You know, it's like you know we you know kind of going back to like our feelings in the you know the the episode where we talked about our origin to begin with is that being a parent of a child with a disability is new and at that point we were still dealing with the question mark. Remember, like it was still mm-hmm. like we know she's going to deal with something, but we're not sure what. She didn't get her cerebral palsy you know diagnosis either at that point. And so we just kind of knew, we just knew there was like a stamp, right? Of like a question mark. What's the, you know, what's the big you know deal? What are we looking for? And then when you started seeing that, I just kind of remember for myself kind of going, um, I, I wonder what this is going to become. You know what I mean? It's, it was kind of one of those things where I didn't even think epilepsy. I just kind of thought this is a, this is a sign of... Like things to come. Things to come. Like what's like what it's, is this gonna turn into? So I just kind of think about like the next I mean, we're gonna dive into that a little bit more, but like this next like the first year of her life was kind of like an advent calendar. And you're opening up all of the little windows and doors and you're trying to puzzle it together until you kind of come to you know, like the end. And that's kind of like our journey almost. (laughs) So like the first year of her life, like we were literally opening up all these doors and finding all of these diagnoses. But that was like the initial like, aha, like, okay, there's something, you know, that is a symptom of what she was born with. And okay, we've got to intervene. So I remember calling you home and I remember, I think it was like four, four thirty in the afternoon or something like that, maybe three when we started all of the process. And we got her into the doctor. I remember it was towards the end of the day um, because the doctor was like, you've got to get her to the hospital. Like he literally just saw her in the middle of all these spasms going in and out of these spasms, um, her body turning red and, and the twitches and everything. And he's like, well, what, what was she doing before? I'm like, well, she was nursing. Then she was, you know, then she'd be fine. And he's like, have you tried burping her? And I'm like, yes, I burped her. You know, all of these things. And he's like, well, he's like, I definitely think this is seizure related. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, what do we do? You know, like, what do we do? Um, he's like, you got to take her to the hospital right away. He's like, how long has this been going? And I'm like, well, at that point, had been on and off for probably about, you know, 40 minutes. And he's like, you've got to get her to the hospital immediately. And so we were just kind of like, well, okay, you know, where do we go? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> it was the thing. Is, it was like. <laughs> it really was. It was like, wh- where. Which hospital? What do we? Yeah. Where are we going? You know, for all this, 
And th- it's kind of funny because when you say he, I remembered that our first pediatrician mm-hmm. isn't our current pediatrician. Our current pediatrician that we've had, you know, for almost her entire life, but we didn't have her at that moment. In fact, we kind of had a pediatrician that we were almost like adversarial with because they weren't really offering support at that time. We didn't feel supported. We didn't feel, you know, any kind of backup. It was kind of, it was the only pediatrician that would take her case so that we could be discharged from the hospital at the time. So it was like, we needed to get her home. We needed to be discharged, so we had to pick somebody. Right. And so he was the first one. Literally, like our social worker at the hospital was like, okay, I called this doctor and he's going to take your case. Or I called this doctor and they're not willing to take your case. So we can't discharge you unless you have a pediatrician lined up. And so finally, she found one that would take her case. But literally, as we go in, you know, after the first couple of days of life, you know, to get established with him as a pediatrician. It was not very warm and fuzzy. <laughs> we got to blow off a lot. It was, yeah, it was, he, he didn't want to listen to our concerns. He didn't really want to, you know, hear anything. He, he didn't quite understand her case. And so, and even in this instance, it wasn't even the pediatrician that we were seeing. It was his cohort. Right. So we literally walked in with like no establishment really of this pediatrician and then his cohort who had never seen Emily was not even really familiar with her background and how what she was born with you know and then him watching her and he's like nope you've got to get her to the hospital so again we're kind of in this puzzlement of like hey where do we go like (laughs) okay there's not really a children's hospital local because at the time our local hospitals didn't have any children's wards right you know and so it was just kind of like puzzling so he's like the best place to take her is all children's down in saint petersburg so immediately we get in the car get her into her car seat and we're just driving. Right. You know, we're just driving to this hospital not knowing what to expect. I don't even think we went home to pack anything at that point. We just hauled butt down because we weren't sure. This was back in the day. What we was didn't happening? have anything to pack. Like it was kind of funny. Like we didn't have Well, <laughs> I mean, we had her diaper bag, obviously, right. but I mean think beyond that, because now it's like it's so routine when we know we have to go to the hospital. Yeah. Like we have a bag that's pretty much like we yeah, know what to pack. And, yeah. yeah. And it's like, we just grab and go, or we know what we need to grab real quick to make it for 24 to 48 hours. Right. But like, but that we'll get into that, I'm sure. Um, but at this point, we were just kind of lost. And I just remember trying to get to St. Pete as fast as we could. Um, and of course, there's traffic because it's like in the five o'clock hour. Um, <laughs> we're heading into the big we're, city. Yeah, rush we're hour. heading into Tampa and everybody's trying to get out of Tampa um, and St. Pete area. I just remember like trying to get there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's, we got to get her there. We got to get her there. And then, of course, we get into the emergency room. They're getting her in immediately. Because they're not really sure what's happening. She's a young baby, of course, and you know they're they're not really sure. And then they start like you know throwing around all of these terms and all of these things. I just remember it being just so like a whirlwind of everything. Like I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not. Um, and actually, I'm I'm trying to even think like no, this wasn't the time when we were when we went local, was it? No, it was okay. not. It was not the. the- so I'm trying. It's like all kind of. Coming back to me, but no, this was so when this we time we to, did go straight to St. Pete, yeah. and then they were they kind of like got her in, and then they were like drawing blood and doing scans and all the things. And I just remember like 
I had to be in and out of that room a lot because here's my little baby being right. poked and prodded and, you know, t- you know, all these big bodies, you know, I used to be the blood everything. guy. I used to be the one that would do like if I was, you know, if she had to be, you know, held for an IV for a blood draw and all mm-hmm. that, because um, it kind of made you a little squeamish, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now you're like an old pro. Now you're able to. I like, still get it. squeamish, but <laughs> I I do what I have to do for her. But. but it is one of those things where this was. So it's kind of you know all these things click right. We she was born at this hospital, mm-hmm. you know, in St. Pete. It's it was the if you remember, you know, it was the the special birthing area for her to be in and all this kind of stuff. And so it was our first time really back there um, for a hospital visit Mm -hmm. since she was born and we're rookies and we're still rookies at this. And so we are listening to them talk and we're listening to everything that they are saying. And I just remember everything was like, wait, what does that mean? That's a freak out. Like I'm freaking out about this. What's, Mm -hmm. what is that? Well, what is that? And like, they kept saying stuff and going like, you know, going back to it now, it's like, you know, we're able to show up and rattle off, you know, everything, you know, that is, is up with her. And we kind of know the drill when it comes to an ER visit. But when you're a new parent with a giant question mark stamped on, you know, everything, um, it was harrowing because it was just one of those experiences where, you know, we're like, we, you know, we don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, they're asking all these, you know, questions and, you know, you, you you are the more kind of detail oriented one of the two of us, you know, when it comes to stuff. And so you're able to kind of even rattle off times and how long and, you know, all that kind of stuff when they're bouncing up and, and asking questions. But it was, it, it, you know, it was scary. Yeah, absolutely. It was scary. Um, and I just remember, like, I think they had given her some medication that just kind of calmed her body. Um and then from that point, we didn't see a neurologist or anybody. It was just all the emergency rooms until the morning. But they did end up admitting us. And I remember them, you know, expressing other concerns regarding her growth and her weight gain and like all this stuff. And I just remember in the morning, like, um, you know, the the doctors on their rounds coming in. And I mean, very early in the morning, like 630 in the morning, the yeah. neurologist hopped in with his medical bag and he was like, good morning. And I was like, good morning. (laughs) Trying to open my eyes and like, you know, not freak out. He was a very soft spoken guy too. So he was was very kind of like, yeah, he kind of creeped in and, you know, he was older and again, had like this old fashioned medical bag. And if any of you have been in that medical community, you probably know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, But anyway, so I remember him coming in and just saying good morning and then him asking all of the questions as to what was happening and how was it happening and how long did it last? And and then he he was like, well, he's like, I think we're going to have to start her on some kind of seizure medication, some, you know, to see if we can you know, prevent these from happening. He's like, sometimes this happens. He's like, she does have the ventricular megaly. Um, and this may be the cause. He's like, but we need to look into other um other facets too to just make sure we're catching everything. So um I was like, okay. And then I remember them sending in nutritionists and um other neonatologists and um, other specialists and cardiologists and all of these things. And I'm like, wait, what? We're, I thought we were just here for a seizure. Um, but I remember like the, the uh, residents coming in and talking about this term like failure to thrive um, and that she's not gaining enough weight and 
And all I'm thinking is failure to thrive. What? What's that like, all about? What do you mean? Like, sh- she's not living? She's not thriving? Like, I am doing everything in my, you know, power to make sure she eats. Like, we're literally waking up every two, waking her up every two hours to ensure she's getting, you know, her little three to four ounce bottle. You know, it was like we were, we were trying everything and, you know, interrupting our sleep, interrupting, you know, everything. And I just remember like, and failure to thrive. I felt so like punched in the gut. I felt so defeated because I'm like, what does that mean? Like, is she going to die? Is she going to, is she, you know, she doesn't want to thrive. She doesn't want to survive. You know, like, I just remember all these questions and being flooded with that, that thought of like, oh my gosh, what are we facing now? She has epilepsy and she has failure to thrive. Like, do you remember that? Like just that No, that fear? was the, that label was the first label, mm-hmm. right? That I remember even, you know, beyond epilepsy, but th- that, because epilepsy was just kind of thrown out. Like it was just like, oh yeah, epilepsy. Like that wasn't like a... Like that's a common thing. Right. It, to them. You know, it was, it was like, it wasn't like this bomb, but that label, when they said that, um, it, it was confusing. It was angering, like angering. Mm-hmm frustrating like it was just very like um i was like what do you mean like what do you what do you mean by that um because they also kind of just they treated that like it was graver mm-hmm. than the diagnosis of epilepsy um yeah because they were getting you know they were talking about supplementing and adding calories to her diet and that the fact that it was taking her you know probably close to an hour to finish nursing was burning all of the calories that she was taking in like we were learning a little bit about how like a baby's body works, you know, whereas before, you know, you just think you give the baby a bottle or you, you know, nurse the bot, you know, nurse the baby and you're good to go. You don't realize like they're actually burning calories as they're eating because all of the sucking and, you know, the power that or the energy that it takes, they're actually burning those calories. But they're talking about like, she's burning so much more than any of, you know, than a typical a baby and because of that like she's not getting the actual calorie count or nutrition that she needs so then of course i as a nursing mother feel like i'm failing her um my emotions are on edge i mean i'm already i mean it's only like 2 months after giving birth and i've already you know i've lost a ton of sleep um my body is probably still not fully recovered from everything giving birth and you know i have not got you know again i have not gotten sleep i have not recovered i have not i've you know been to all of these multiple doctor's appointments in between that time and then now this and like i feel like i've done everything we even had like a lactation nurse come to our house and help help us out with that and it was just like one thing after another after another and then we get this failure to thrive and then they're more concerned about her nutrition. And then again, the the thriving thing in my head is what stuck because I'm like, now we're on, we're living on borrowed time almost. I feel like, oh my gosh, if we don't get her to gain weight, she's going to die. And they have, maybe it's better now, but they have just an incredible way. When I say they, I talk about kind of the, the medical staff in general, you know, have an incredible way of making you feel really bad and like a failure for you know for getting to that you know point or getting to that moment it's like i you know even when she was first born right it's like you know they were really quick to be like nursing's not working so try this you know and do this and and it's almost like there was like an internal battle between like 
the nurses and stuff that were, you know, for breastfeeding and all that. And then the ones that were for, well, just get something in her, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and there's all that. But then when you get to that failure to thrive part. Yeah, we had, we had celebrated the victory of like she gained two point something pounds. Yeah. You know, in her two months of life, we were like, yes. And then they were like, no, she should be like 10, 12 pounds by two months. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just one of those things where they, you know, when, when they present that and they do that, well, it's like, you know, they don't give you an instruction manual. Like, you know, when you're like, they don't give you this daily scale of, you know, where, where she should be. And so we're so we're, we're like, celebrate the little things, celebrate the little mm-hmm. things. And they're like, they need to be bigger. The little things need to be, you know, bigger yeah. than that. And it was, it was a tough, um, it was tough to receive that. And then like little by little, like these now it's like, you know, when you, when you think about it and you think about the energy that she was spending while eating and you think about her diagnosis now, you know, it, it does make sense. You know, it's like, you know, later on, you know, we'll get to that. You know, it's like, you know, we discover she has, you know, hypotonic cerebral palsy, which means that she has low muscle tone and everything is a lot of work for her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, that kind of thing, like, Oh, well, you know what? That makes sense. Knowing what we know now, Right, hindsight. In, in hindsight, but um, yeah, that was just like... That was just a crazy, scary time. And I remember going home and just feeling so defeated. I remember in the hospital, like, we're here we are. We, we have a child now with epilepsy. We're putting her on medication, her first medication um, that we had to kind of regiment and make sure that she got. Um, praise God, it was effective. It did help her to not have any more, you know, seizures for a while. Um, and then eventually, you know, as she was beginning to grow and was beginning to gain weight and all that, um, but it was just very stressful. I mean, we literally for the next probably few months, like every two hours, we had to make sure she was eating. We had to up the calorie count. We had to make sure she was eating within this certain time frame. And it was just a constant, you know, like I remember you were up. Like I was up probably till midnight every night to give her that last and then I would go to bed and then you would wake up at like what, two o'clock in the morning to, you know, six oh, o'clock yeah. in the morning and then, you know, then you would go to work and then, you know, eventually I had to go back to work um, at the three month mark, you know, it was like we, we had to like get we back spent into every life. every ounce yeah. of time you had. Into reality. And then, you know, I remember on top of that and then finding childcare, someone who was willing to actually take care of Emily during that, um, knowing that she every two hours had to have, you know, the care or the feeding and all of that. And then um, eventually I will say like the nursing subsided just because it became way too stressful for me. Um, and she was doing better with formula anyway. So I, in my mind, had to kind of, you know, give up that that responsibility, I guess. Um, it was hard. It was very difficult. I remember it being very emotional for me because that was what I wanted to do, but my body was just not producing what she needed because of all of the stress and taking care of her and making sure that she, you know, was provided for. So I had to come to that conclusion of like, okay, the formula is going to be what's best for her to meet her needs, her caloric intake. And, um, and then eventually, you know, I, I was okay <laughs> with her being on that because I knew it was what was best for her. Um, like you're such a detail oriented like person to begin with. It's like if you give Tina and like the assignment of you got to track these calories and you have to track the time and you have to track mm-hmm. the hours. You remember that? Like we had like charts. We had oh, you yeah. know for like things like it, 
just in house in in our own house just like all these like forms and charts and things just to make sure that we were tracking that she was eating at the right time and in getting the right amount of calories and it was like from the get-go we had to establish all of these schedules and routines for her regarding medication regarding feeding regarding you know tummy time because you know we knew developmentally she wasn't where she needed to be right. you know so we were trying to implement all of these things and about 10 months or so we're gonna jump ahead a little bit at about 10 months, we knew she wasn't meeting the milestones that she needed. Right. Um, so I had found out about early steps. And so we um, we kind of start getting that and, you know, involved with that. And we had an early interventionist coming to the house to kind of work with us. And that was, again, adding on, okay, we need to make sure we're doing the tummy time. We need to make sure that we're, you know, speaking language so that she can learn to babble and she could learn to, you know, learn language. Um, we needed to make sure that um, physically, you know, she was trying to stand up on her legs, whether she was bouncing, you know, like the normal, typical baby, um, things like that. We needed to be able to move her. We needed to be able to, you know, get her to sit up and, you know, things like that. Now, those things did not really happen. Um, she never really actually sat up on her own. She never actually, you know, was able to pull herself up on her legs or her feet or even like her hands and knees, like never came to a crawling position, things like that. So like we knew developmentally she was not meeting those milestones. So I also remember like um, everybody gives you those those baby books, like what to expect after oh, you yeah, know, birth or whatever. Oh yeah, you're expecting. I remember, okay, so I remember all of those books. I remember starting to read them and then I started, you know, coming across those milestones of when like about when, you know, they should be sitting up and about when they should be smiling and about when they should be, you know, cooing and awing and, you know, and all that. And literally, I remember taking those books because she missed every single milestone. I remember taking those books and I tossed them in the trash because I was like so pissed at them. I'm sorry for using that word, but I was so <laughs> mad <laughs> at those books because I'm like, she's not doing this and i am making myself even more mad reading this and trying to get her to do these things right when she was not developing in the you know in the norm um normal time frame and so i just remember becoming even more frustrated with that too and then not knowing again um that she would never meet those milestones you know um, so I, I mean, like I said, we got early intervention, uh, early steps involved with us. They started coming, I think twice a week for, for a time. She did start attending daycare so that I could go back to work. Um, we have kind of a, when did, when did she get her cerebral palsy diagnosis? So that was until about a year old, right? She was at a year, but mm -hmm. we, oh, and then that was the other thing too. So at 10 months old, mm -hmm. she broke her leg. Yes. So that's kind of like the daycare horror story. Um, we're not even sure what happened. Nope. Literally, uh, even the daycare worker was unsure. It was kind of a freak accident. She was sitting in her car seat, I believe, on the floor. And the next thing they knew, it had flipped over. Right. And she was out of it. It was like during a story and, time or something yeah. like that. And it was literally one of those things where, uh, you know, you, you, you turn your, you know, you turn your face, you know, for one second and then, you know, she flipped over and was, you know, was crying, was upset. I remember going to go, you know, 
get her and, and pick her up. And we didn't know what was well, wrong I rem- with her. I remember like, you know, the, the babysitter daycare worker had said, you know, she fell out, but she seems okay. Um, but then later on as the day kind of progressed and that's the issue as the day kind of progressed because we had actually had a commitment that night we needed to attend. And so we had asked, Hey, can you watch her as if, as long as she's doing okay. And she was like, yeah, she seems fine. But then as the day progressed, she was getting more and more upset and, and not comfortable. She couldn't be um, comforted. So we were kind of told, all right, you know, something's up. We're not sure like what. And I'm like, okay, so we go and we pick her up. And, you know, I've got her. I'm comforting her. And she does calm a little bit um, as she's with me. But then when we get home and I try to like move her body around and stuff. And I remember touching the leg um, and her crying out in pain. And I was like, oh, something's not right. Right. Um, so again, here we had to go to the hospital and we ended up going to a local hospital because we just wanted an x-ray to make sure everything was okay. Uh, but see, okay. Like, and, but see, like, so this was one of those situations, though. It's like, you know, it's important to understand, you know, that because because developmentally, Emily was not where she needed to be. Mm-hmm. Her reactions to even pain. the pain was mm-hmm. not where it needed to be. So she, you know, as, when we picked her up from daycare. She fell down and and it was like, okay, well, we're going to pick her up and, and take her home. And she was fine, mm-hmm. you know, in her normal positions, you know, as um, as a baby. And she was fine and then, you know, would kind of cry and then be fine and then cry and be fine. And so we're trying to, well, well, she looks okay. Everything seems okay until you started touching that leg, you know. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it, you know, that's when we were like, this is this isn't right. You know what I mean? Right. Because everything else so looked fine. Like that was the thing. It was like everything else was. Right. She didn't have any bruises or scratches yeah. or anything like from falling, you know, out of the car seat. Like there were uh, nothing, like right. nothing evident that we could see. And it was just when you touched that leg that something was off. I tried to like straighten it because um, she would keep it up close to her like kind of curled up and so I tried to straighten it and as soon as I went to like touch you know to straighten it and move it about she she would wince and cry and so I was like okay something's off so we ended up going to the local hospital just to get an x-ray to make sure everything was okay and sure enough um it had been what they call a glow stick fracture Oh yeah. Um, so, so yeah, detail oriented. Um, so glow stick fracture. And so with that, they became very concerned. And of course, um, it kind of went downhill from there just with all of the, um, we had to be under investigation. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was like, so we had, they ended up getting DCF involved. We were under investigation. The daycare was under investigation. We were not pressing charges. We knew it was an accident. We, you know, knew this daycare worker personally. We loved her. Again, she did everything that she thought she was doing right. Um, and just, you know, Emily was not responding to the pain as a typical child would. And, you know, and then again, as the day progressed, I think the pain progressed and that's when she was showing signs of discomfort. And so that's why, you know, and they, they weren't sure, I guess, kind of what to do. I guess it's kind of something that they have to do procedurally as a hospital is report the incident because it's a pretty severe fracture. Um, And so basically, from that, it was like a whirlwind of 
just being investigated, questions. Um, we weren't really sure like what we were going to do as far as daycare and all of that. And anyway, so, you know, it just kind of, I just remember like, oh, here we go. Like, this is not the the norm, you know, this is not yeah. the norm, but we kept telling them and explaining to them like nothing foul has happened like right. nothing she wasn't harmed on purpose you know like it, it, it we were not even involved so right. again we were not really under investigation but yet we were they had to come out it, to it our house so weird. yeah it's it just one of those things where it's like oh this is so it was scary yeah and you know we're like again like here we are doing everything that we can for her <laughs> and we're like oh my god is she gonna be taken away from us are they gonna you know it didn't end up being that bad, but no. it, it was just scary during the time because just unfortunately an accident happened. Um, investigation wise, nobody was at fault. It was literally an accident, but um, you know, it was just a scary time to have to go through that. So it was like, again, we knew this is not the typical life. This is not <laughs> going to be, you know, the normal easy breezy kids get hurt and fall and break bones kind right. of thing. Like, no, like this is everything's a big deal. Everything's a big deal. And in a situation where you're already feeling vulnerable, vulnerable and bad and like a failure and like, you know, it's like, I, you know, all these things run through your head, right? It's like mm -hmm. if I had, you know, if, if she hadn't been dropped off that day, if, you know, if I had kept her that day, if we weren't doing like, it's like all those things is like, you know, all those, you know, things fall into place and you're going, I just feel like I failed. I failed this kid as a parent. I failed this kid to protect her and to keep her from, you know, from harm and, and all that. And it was just so difficult to deal with. And then on top of that, afterwards, she's in a cast. Like so, now you have a cast that you're dealing with. And I remember her first. Um, so her Halloween costume, her first Halloween costume, uh, she was the cutest little pumpkin you could ever see, you know. And then like her stroller, um, my mom actually made her like a pumpkin patch costume, sewn together a pumpkin patch costume, and it covered up her stroller so that it would cover up her cast her and her little, and so you couldn't see her little pink cast and all that. And it was just, you know, amazing just how, like, just this one little thing, you know, you all of a sudden, she's just your world. You want to do everything you can to protect her and you want to do everything that you can to just make sure that everything's okay. And when a simple accident happens or whatever, you just feel like, like you let her down, you know, and it's like she didn't tell me she couldn't tell me, Dad, I'm so disappointed in you, you know, <laughs> but but my goodness is like you do everything that you can to just take care of her. And we were just getting like it wasn't like she was there for long. You know, what I mean, it's like we were just getting comfortable with letting her go and kind of putting her in somebody else's hands. And and, and that and then that happens. And then so kind of talking about the origin stories of possibility a little bit. Right. Then something happens, and it's kind of a funny story, but we're at church at the time. <laughs> Emily is in a cast, and I don't, know why, I don't know why at this point or at that time, but we finally were like, let's leave her in the nursery and just see what happens. I mean, she's, you know, how, you know not much worse yeah. can happen, right? And so... Well, I think between everything, I was kind of at my wit's end too. And yeah. just, you know, I needed a break and I just wanted to attend church and not be... Because um, Emily at the time would draw a lot of attention too. So, I mean, she was a pastor's daughter. Um, I was the pastor's wife. And so, of course, with her having a cast, everybody's going to ask questions. And I, and then on top of that, it was just, I just 
really didn't want to have to deal with all of the questions and all of the attention and all the things. And, and so I just kind of felt like, okay, she's 10 months old. We can put her in nursery finally. And, you know, like, I'll explain to the nursery worker, this is what happened, but she's fine. Like, just keep an eye on her and just call me if you need me kind of thing. So I literally took Emily for the first time into the nursery. And that is where our friend Diana, um, she was currently volunteering and working. And so her very first experience or exposure to Emily was literally me handing her off with this giant cast. (laughs) So I have, so she had a cast all the way from like her hip down to her ankle. Um, and so I just remember pulling up with the stroller, you know, picking her up out of the stroller and just kind of handing her over the, the nursery gate and saying, okay, Emily's here. Uh, we just got out of the hospital. She has a broken femur. She also has seizures, but just call me if you need me kind of thing. You know, I was just like at the point where I was literally like just over everything and I just needed like a break. And I'm like, come on, mamas, you know how that is. Like you just get to your breaking point where you're just like, I just need like 10 minutes to myself. And I was already running late. I'm not going to lie. I was already running late to church, getting her in all the things I just wanted to have a moment like just to myself it was a lot going on so I literally remember like yeah just handing her over to Diana and Diana's like literally with her hand stretched out taking Emily like uh okay <laughs> and at the time you didn't know her no like you were yeah. not friends with her Mm-mm. and she, she was like friends of a friend right and then you just and then she just literally this is this Diana's first meeting of Emily and and you're saying if she has a seizure, call me. Right. She she has seizures. And call according me. to her, she just stared at her the entire time that she was there, like, don't yes. have a seizure. So, don't have a seizure. <laughs> so hindsight and getting to know Diana, yeah, she literally like plastered her eyes right on Emily and did not like let her move. Did like every movement, she was like, Is that a seizure? Is that a seizure? Is that a seizure? And so I freaked her out. Um, not going to lie. So she was like, oh my gosh, this is the pastor's kid. This is important. I can't mess this up. So it was like, nope, you know, me, I didn't know that I was putting that pressure on her. But for her, she felt very pressured of like, okay, I have this little life in my hands. I don't really know her. And then on top of that, she's got this cast. She also has seizures. And (laughs) Diana's had no experience with any of this. And so she, poor thing, was just kind of like, I'm just going to zero in on her. She's the only one that I have to pay attention to right now. And everybody else is going to take care of all the other kids in the room. And hey, she survived. She survived. (laughs) and, and, And this kid still has more question marks like stamped on her because we're in this discovery process. You know, like, you know, like Tina said, you know, she didn't have her cerebral palsy diagnosis Mm -hmm. just yet, but we knew that developmentally she wasn't where she needed to be. And so, um, and I acknowledge that as, you know what, like sometimes that's scary. And sometimes even now she's 13 and people get you know, scared that they're going to do something wrong or that they're going to, you know, mess things up. And, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like, I, you know, what do I tell people all the time? She's not going to break. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I guess she could. Clear <laughs> 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 evidence by what, you know, her being in that cast. Um, but I always say, it's like, you know, she's not going to break. She's a kid. We'll figure it out, you know, all this. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, our origin story, and guess what? Surprise, surprise. We're going to have to do another part, okay? (laughs) But I think this is a good place to kind of get to where that handoff to 
Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a bonus, we probably need to like, you know, uh, have, Diana. have Diana's side of the story in on, on, on that drop off because that was, um, that was definitely a pivotal moment because from that moment, and I'm going to kind of fast forward a little bit, but we could kind of backtrack later on, right? From that moment, um, that kid and that, you know, I say, you know, girl, you know, but she's an adult, <laughs> you know, that kid and that woman um, imprinted, right? And like, you know, Diana was like, I love this kid. And Emily was probably like, this is my best friend. Look, she picked me up without, you know, worrying <laughs> and then they're fine. And at that moment, um, you know, Diana developed a special care and love for Emily, which eventually led to um, her talking to you about, hey, what if, and this is like Emily's a little bit older at that point, but hey, what if I stay with Emily um, at church so that she can be involved and included in the program there and you can worship for an hour worry and distraction free and maybe in fact even sit with your husband you know um and that was kind of the catalyst to what was about to happen like down the road when it came to us as a family feeling a calling to provide a break to other families which then led to let's take this beyond sunday and let's take this monthly twice monthly, three times monthly, now daily, and sometimes what seems like 24-7, you know, <laughs> here at Possibility at what we call Emily's Clubhouse. And, um, you know, I would say, like, would you would you even think of that as being one of those moments that was like, hey, this is that, this is that catalyst that kind of begins to lead to everything else that we do? Oh, definitely. I definitely think that that's where it was kind of like a seed being planted. Like we didn't know what this would bloom into, you know, kind of thing. But that moment, my exhaustion, my need for a break and for me to entrust Emily's care, especially after what had just happened, but to entrust Emily's care into someone else's hands for just an hour. And even at that point, it was probably like 40 minutes because by the time I got her back there and all that, but just 40 minutes just for me to take a breather to just listen you know to the pastor preach and take in the music of the of the you know church service and all that and then to just go back and pick her up and go home you know just so i could have a breather and just the understanding of like how important it is to have that to have that reprieve and and trusting you know that her care is is provided for for just that few minutes and how life-saving that was you know it was life-saving life-giving yeah you know because it 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 gave me just exactly what i needed when i needed it and again i really think it was just a seed kind of planted in the ground planted in our minds planted in our hearts even for things to come i would call it a recharge right Right. get that parent (laughs) recharge and, and 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 to be able to have that moment um and before we even wrap up you know because like we kind of touched on it at the end and we'll probably talk a little bit more about it too next time shout out to early steps and shout out to early intervention because those are some of the things that were a huge blessing that first year of emily's life you know was full of 
ups and downs. You know, we talk about Diana watching Emily and making sure there's no seizure, you know, and stuff. We were like in that same boat because we were constantly, if we weren't feeding her, we were watching her, right? Mm -hmm. And that medicine man made her so sleepy during that year. And, you know, I remember celebrating her first birthday and she celebrated her first birthday, you know, half asleep, you know, because of that, those seizure meds and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and all that stuff. But it was definitely like that whole first year with her, um, a lot of... Well, it was between that and then we were chasing a diagnosis that yeah. first year too. Um, I remember, not to throw on you know more detail, but I remember us going to see a pedi- pediatric developmental pediatrician. I yeah. think that's what it is or something like that. Um, and her throwing out several different diagnoses of... And they were daunting like scary diagnosis thrown at us like we think she has this she might have that you know and all of them ended in a short-term life um i remember and so i I, again being handed those diagnoses and and everything and you know we're, we're also still waiting for genetics testing to come back and all of that because it takes forever for those things to come about again chasing a diagnosis trying to figure out what her prognosis is and and everything and through that year through seeing all of these different specialists we had many victories where she her kidneys fully developed and we got discharged from that's right nephrology um her heart her pfo and vsd or whatever all completely closed up and so we got discharged from cardio because she was doing fine um but again we added on all these other doctors the and then when we got to that developmental pediatrician i remember her kind of giving us all this paperwork of these possible um you know, different genetic disorders and things and the prognoses of these, you know, disorders. And I, again, felt defeated. And I was like, this is not my child. Like, I just knew this is not my child, no matter what. And eventually genetics did come back within that first year and nothing came through. Like we had no answer genetically. We had no answer, you know, everything was, you know, so we had, again, celebrations. And then we also had, you know, defeats. And then, but still a lot of big question marks of like, what kind of life is Emily going to have? What kind of diagnosis is she going to have? You know, and then eventually so that we could continue to get services for her, her neurologist finally gave us the cerebral palsy diagnosis. So, you know, he's like, she needs to have something. There's nothing genetic, but she needs to have some kind of diagnosis so you can further her services. And so it ended up being he, he diagnosed her Right about a year old, yeah, one year. maybe a little bit over um, by a few weeks. But I remember him, you know, she has hypotonic cerebral palsy and meaning low tone. So she, you know, a lot of kids we see may have high tone or spasticity where their muscles right. get tight and rigid. Emily's is very... Um, lucid she's she's just very low tone she doesn't have the energy and the strength to sit up on her own she doesn't have the energy and strength to raise her arms up above her head and um her legs get weak and you know things like that so she got to support her head still like an infant needed yes yeah she needed lots of intensive therapy on top of even the early steps so again that opened the door for us to be able to get more for her so here we are. Congratulations. Uh, the first episode of her origin story, we only made it two months. We made it through her first year. All right. So, <laughs> we pushed through. And we got to the the catalyst that started things out for us as possibility. Um, and so it's safe to say 
uh, that we're not done with this story. We're going to come back with at least part three of this. I guarantee it's probably going to be a part four. Epic tale. Yeah, this is like Lord of the Rings type, you know, epicness right now. Um, but it's but it's worth it and it's helpful for us to, to really kind of be able to share where we're coming from. And I really hope that, again, at the end of this, that you realize you're not alone. Um, we are going through this with you. We've been through this with you. And, uh, and, you know, for us to be able to kind of reach this, you know, end of part two with some really exciting things up ahead, you know, because like you said, you know, we did have a lot of victories at the end of this first year. And we're going into, you know, that next one where there were still some question marks. But, you know, again, it's part two. So good job. <laughs> you good job. <laughs> and um, yeah. Thank you for joining us on this journey today, right here on the Possibility Podcast. Our mission to provide positive opportunities of support for families affected by disability is made possible by the incredible support of listeners like you. If you'd like to continue supporting our podcast and gain access to valuable resources, please consider making a donation at www.donorbox.org slash possibility podcast. Your contribution, no matter the amount, goes a long way in helping us achieve our mission. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave us a review and share our podcast with others. Your actions help us reach even more families and continue providing those positive opportunities we're so passionate about. As we conclude today's episode and our trip down memory lane with part two of our origin story of possibility, remember that there's more to possibility than just our podcast. We're a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving families affected by disability through a wide range of impact programs and events. Whether you're looking for a break from the 24-7 job of caregiving, support from parents like yourselves, or other resources, visit us online at www.possibility.life and check out all that Possibility can offer your family. Thank you for being a part of the Possibility community. So as we sign off for today, keep in mind that your support, your listening, and your involvement make all the difference in the world. Together, we are Possibility, and together, we are making a lasting impact in the lives of families touched by disability. See you next time. Thank you.